Peace and welcome to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. We are your hosts, Rochelle Etienne Robinson and Stan Substantial Robinson. Season four of Artistry is powered by Words, Beats, and Life. Peace Peace. and welcome to Artistry, where art meets industry. We are Rochelle Etienne Robinson and Stan Substantial Robinson. Ah, it's Wednesday, folks, yes, and welcome, welcome. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. So, you know, every week that we do this is always a treat because we always meet, get to um, build with some of our folks and learn more about their creative journey. If you are joining us for the very first time, welcome to Artistry, um, the podcast where we are joined by visual artists and or performing artists or arts administrators where we discuss their creative journey. If you are coming back with us, welcome back. Today's guest is... Is R&B vocalist and instrumentalist, a producer and published recording artist, Millen. Originally from Maryland, Millen was born into a family where everyone played and performed music on stage. His musical strengths are harmony, backing vocals, and scatting. In developing his style, he strives to find balance between singable pop songs and forward-thinking R&B grooves. He makes music that is honestly meaningful and infectiously fun. He has a number of original songs and albums to his credit. He has toured with Lawrence, the band, and enjoyed working with artists such as Ram Deferl, Mulate, or Mulate, Jeremy Passion, Couch, and more. He has performed at premier East Coast venues like 930 Club, Stone, Stone Pony, Higher Ground, 3S, and Art Space. Millen drops his debut album, oh, yeah. In a Day, this Friday on all, on all streaming platforms, so be sure to check it out. Please welcome to the show, Millen. Hello. Hey, what's going on, brother? How's it going? Awesome, awesome. Well, welcome to the show. We are so excited to learn about this project that you have that's coming out. Um, So we have, I know there's a very romantic story behind the project. And so we'll get into that in a minute. (laughs) Exactly. So we'll be getting into that. But you know what, let's get go ahead and get started. So Millen, as you and so many and countless others have been in this, um, what do we say? How do we say the pandemic? Um, what has the last three, almost four years now, been like for you? Oh man, it is. It has actually just. I feel like I've gotten to um, get the most creativity out in this time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a very social person, so I like to go out and go to events. And when the pandemic hit, um, you know, obviously it, it was hard, you know, because I couldn't see my friends. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I thought, you know what, what better time to really focus on my craft, focus on my music, mm-hmm. get more active on social media um, and and collaborate with people. So I started joining all these forums and um, I joined Discord, um, which I didn't know what Discord was before the pandemic. And when I joined the Discord, I saw, oh, my gosh, all these people are also wanting to make music. So I started making tons and tons of music. And um, it actually gave me a sense of who I am as an artist. I was mm-hmm. kind of able to find myself as, as an artist by digging really, really deep inside myself and thinking, what do I, what do I want to do? Like, who do I want to be moving forward in my musical path? And 
because I knew I wanted to continue my musical path, but um, figuring out exactly what I wanted to say and what mm-hmm. I wanted to accomplish with my music was so crucial during uh, the pandemic time. So yeah, that's kind mm-hmm. of it. I mean, it was everything for me, you know, it was all of it. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, they say, I mean, as the saying goes, you know, great art, you know, comes from, you know, struggle and trauma and, mm-hmm. and, and, challenges challenges thank you, you know? yes yeah, and challenges sure. so mm-hmm. you know we, we look forward to hearing all that you've been working on yeah for sure and and we have heard a, a ton of what you've been working on um in fact i know with uh shell talking about the um the pandemic um during the pandemic is when i first discovered your sure. music right um and just the story for those who don't know um it's just kind of crazy how it happened um I manage a playlist on Spotify uh, called Soulful Hip Hop. And um, I received uh, this really, really dope song uh, with Millen. And I believe it was Blue Orb, if I'm um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, called yeah, called Warm Waters. And I, w- I just remember being blown away by the song. and was like, man, this is really good. And I wish someone was rapping on it because it'd be, it'd be great on this playlist if there was like, you know, rapping on it because that's what the playlist was. But um, but I knew I wanted to hear more of your stuff, did a deep dive and just really, um, you know, went on Spotify and listened to everything that you had put out up to this point, up to that point. And, and immediately I was just like, man, this kid is good. And then I remember uh, checking out your bio and seeing that you were from Maryland. I was like, well, that explains a lot, right? <laughs> you know, it's a lot of talented folks in Maryland. So, uh, so man, I was super excited to see that. And, um, and then later on, you know, reached out and uh, we collabed and the rest is kind of history from there, man. Um, so it's just dope to, to really, really see how much you've done since then to now and um, a lot has changed in a brief period of time. So, you know, happy we discovered your and stuff. we have some stills. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we did some uh, some digging, bruh. Uh, you know. Digging. Got, yeah, yeah. We, we <laughs> found some cool images and stuff we wanted to uh, share with you um, and our viewers, man. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll bring that up in a second. But uh, <laughs> definitely... Um, yeah, man, it's it's been dope just watching everything with you and stuff. So uh, we'll bring that up in a second, but I'll let Shell uh, yeah. take the next question. So, um, you know, as we as we talk, discuss in the show, we talk about your creative journey. You come from a musical family. Mm-hmm. And so we are curious, as we ask all of our guests, you know, what was your first introduction to the arts? Was it performing arts or was it visual arts? Um, my first introduction to the arts, let's see. It's oh wow, you did some digging. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. We'll talk about that group right over there <laughs> later, I'm sure. Um so my first introduction to the arts was um it was when I was actually when I was in the womb, my mom was gigging, doing performances. My mom and dad mm-hmm. were both doing uh Hindustani Indian classical performances. So they would go and perform at, you know, different events and um I mean, ever since I was, and then, you know, when I was born and I, I just kind of grew up going to these shows and sleeping by the speakers and just kind of having music just constantly be a part of my, of my day to day, right? My, my weekends, you know, and then as I grew up, um, my mom started teaching me some um, Vajapeti, which is a, um, it's like a keyboard. It's like an accordion, but you're sitting down. So you mm-hmm. pump air into it. And I was playing that. And I was learning how to play these songs. And, um, you know, I, I didn't think much of it at the time. 
Um, but definitely as my life progressed, I realized how important that was that mm -hmm. I had those lessons because when I, when I really started having my passion for music, like, all of these things that my mom was telling me when I was younger started coming back. You know, I was thinking about like, oh, wow, like, you know, if you, you know, articulate this note like this, then you achieve this kind of feeling. And I was like, oh, wow. Like mm. she was mm. teaching me at like two, three years old, that kind of stuff. And I was oh. not, I guess I was processing it, but I wasn't like really realizing what I was doing. So it was mostly mm. like musical, mm -hmm. um, but my whole family is creative. Like my aunt does paintings and so does my grandma. Um, so visual art wasn't something that I got super into until later in life, but my mm -hmm. sister was also a dancer. So gotcha. whenever music was happening around the house, my sister was dancing to it. <laughs> and <laughs> there's a joke that um, it's not really it's actually happened. But when I, when she was younger, she always wanted to be like a, a showman. Right. And mm -hmm. so she would tell people. People would be like, oh, Kinjal, come and dance. And she would say, no, 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 say introducing Kinjal Bot. And then she would go, <laughs> I know the that's room. right. Because <laughs> that's how, you know, my parents would get introduced on stage, yeah. you know, and you know, yeah. now later in life, like I'm, I'm getting introduced. And so right. it's like, it's so funny how like music mm -hmm. and just creativity in general is, um, is something that, that, you know, I see my sister do that and I go, I want to be like that. I want to do that. You know, and we all just kind of, oh, my gosh. <laughs> we, all, we all just kind of, uh, you know, feed off of each other creatively. Oh, that's awesome. You know, you mentioned um, with your upbringing, you know, having grown up in um, with your parents performing Hindustani music. Can you talk to us about that? Like, what is that? What is Hindustani music? What is it? Um, what are some of the instruments that are associated with it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hindustani music is a form of Indian classical music. Um, and it's, it's at least in the, um, in the context that I, I've seen it, it's, uh, it's usually a singer with a vajapeti or a harmonium um, is the, the Western language for it. Um, and that's that you pump it and you play. And then mm -hmm. tabla is a very uh, important instrument in it as well, which is what my dad plays. So tabla is basically two um, bowls, essentially, with a skin on the top of it. Mm -hmm. And you basically, one is a lower pitched bowl. It's called mm -hmm. the bayou, I believe. And uh, you basically hit it, you strike it with like your, your middle finger. So I wonder if I could show you. So you essentially strike it like this. And there are two different, like a few different ways that you can hit it. And then the right hand is um, on something called the tabli, which is a higher pitched instrument. So it's like mm. you play kind of, there's a, the higher pitches with, I guess it's with your dominant hand. Um, I don't know if left-handed people reverse them, but essentially we play with the left hand is the by you, that lower pitch. And the sounds that it makes is like, so I grew up listening to that kind of groove and my dad is amazing at it. So, you know, he, he plays all sorts of uh, really cool rhythms in between. And during his mm. programs, I'll, I'll look at him and be like, oh, and he'll be like, oh, and, you know. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. Cool that's awesome. Now, do you play any of the instruments? Yeah, well, so um, harmonium or Vajapati kind of works like a keyboard works, right? Mm -hmm. So mm. the only difference is you have to pump air with one yeah. hand, right? Yeah. So you don't wow. usually play with two hands. 
And typically you play pretty melodically for the most part. Um, so you don't really play chords. There are not, there aren't many chords involved unless it's just to like articulate a moment. So right. typically when singing the melody, you're also playing that melody on the Vajapati. Mm -hmm. um, and almost like a vocoder, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And it okay. essentially is there to complement your voice. Right? right. And when you play one note, there are different pegs in that harmonium uh, mm -hmm. that can bring out different um, octaves, right? Got so if it. you open a certain peg, it'll bring out a lower octave. So if you want a little bit more meat to complement your vocal, you can mm -hmm. pull that peg out and play, and it'll be like the lower octave of the note that you're playing. Um, okay. Or if you Got want it. a little bit more high-end energy, you can bring out the higher octave. So that's how that instrument works. Um, so I, knowing piano kind of allowed me to um, like know how to play harmonium but when i play harmonium i'm like chord 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 you know I'm, mm. I'm going crazy with the chords but there are all these octaves that are being played while i'm playing the chords and it's like sounding like this big jumble and everybody's like what are you doing i'm like jazz <laughs> <laughs> and so, um and then my dad i kind of picked up tabla from my dad uh, just by mm. watching him play and eventually asking questions as i got older um when i started understanding what the fundamentals were it's a very difficult and very beautiful instrument. Um, and mm. so, yeah. And so actually on this album, the In A Day album that's coming out on Friday, my dad plays Thubla on one of the tracks. Oh, that's yeah. dope. Right. Yeah. So it's he's credited on there and everything. He's <laughs> he's the Thubla player for See The Light. <laughs> dope, dope. Yeah, man. Um, real quick, uh, you know, first, uh, congratulations to you. This is... Um, not your first project, but it's your first, uh, you know, solo album, proper solo album, I guess. Um, and I mean, you've been busy putting out a ton of music, but, um, you know, I've been impressed and blown away by a lot of the stuff you've done. But this album, man, um, you know, for those of y'all, you know, listening to this or watching this live right now um, or watching the replay later. Go treat yourself mm -hmm. uh, because Millen is extremely talented, as are all of the guests that we have on the show. Um, but, yeah, Millen definitely has the gift. And this album, man, uh, of all the work I've heard from you, mm -hmm. um, the arrangements and, and just it just doesn't feel like a, a quote unquote debut album. It feels like someone's like, yeah, this guy's this guy clearly, clearly mm -hmm. has been at it for a while. And um yeah, man, it's it's a beautiful record, brother. Like you know, top to bottom, from the writing to the, the as I mentioned, the arrangements, the production, the mixing, um, you know, the final cover art. Like, yeah, man, you you did it top to bottom. So you know, again, clap it up for me. You know, yeah, man. That's so kind. So nice of you. It's the truth, bro. It's it's definitely trust, man. I'm I'm not. Um, you know, I definitely uh, do what I can to big up the people I, I've worked with and, um, you know, and salute uh, them and stuff like that. But for the record, I'm definitely not giving out a whole lot of compliments if I didn't love it, you know. So, you it's know, true. so, yeah, <laughs> you know, I definitely I'm an educator. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I listen, man, maybe try blah, blah, blah. Some of the technical, you know, the but you know um whether it was solicited or not but in this case bro like yeah, yeah. top to bottom man you did a great job yeah kudos 
you know, and it has a mix. It's, I mean, having listened to it, um, you know, if it has a little bit of something for everyone. If you mm-hmm. are interested in pop, you have that there. If you're interested in R&B and soul, that's there as well. Mm-hmm. Heck, if you even like, you know, Broadway musicals, because it has a little oh. bit of that in there as well. So, yeah, the Seat of Light, definitely. Yeah. I could see that as a whole production, you yeah. know, on a stage. You yeah, know? yeah. So it literally has a little bit of something for everyone. Now, you... Um, you mentioned, of course, that you know you do R and B. You do R and B. You do scat. You do soul. What was your first introduction to R and B? It's a good question. So when I was in high school, I was super into um, pop music, acapella. That was just what was available. Oh yeah, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I gotta stop reacting to all these pictures. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I was, yeah, when I was younger, I was, you know, I was into pop, top forty, um, anything that everybody was listening to. I was typically listening to, um, and I felt like I wouldn't say I was unfulfilled, but mm. I would say that something was missing. Um, mm. My brain didn't feel like it was being pushed the way that it it wanted to be pushed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started learning keyboard. So this, these two things were happening at the same time, right? Where I was starting to be like, okay, but I want something new. And I started learning piano, right? Mm-hmm. And so I joined a band in high school of friends that they're all doing music now and they're kicking butt. Um, but I, I joined this band and they were like, we need a keyboard player. So I was like, okay, I'll learn how to play keyboard. And the first thing we started doing was playing like old soul music. You know, we were playing mm-hmm. Al Green, we were playing some Michael. Well, Michael's also like pop, but um, mm-hmm. I consider it a little bit of soul, too. Um, mm-hmm. We were playing a lot of like Stevie, you know, things like that, that I was like, oh, wow. Like, OK, so I take this chord and I add a seventh to it. Right. A little mm-hmm. bit of theory. OK, I add a seventh to it and it gives me this. Feeling. Ooh, and if I had a ninth to it, it gives me this feeling. So I'm playing keyboard. I'm not even the main vocalist. I'm a background vocalist. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. I sing a couple of songs, but I was primarily like exploring the keyboard at this time. And when I started learning about these chords, I was like, oh, this is the thing that I feel like I'm I'm missing. This is the thing that I want more of, you know, in in when I'm listening to music. And around the same time, um, YouTube was very popular. Mm-hmm. So I found a few artists on YouTube that were using this. And one of the main artists was Jeremy Passion. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy Passion was a huge inspiration for me. And he was doing what he was, what I was learning on the keyboard, he was also doing on guitar. Wow. So when I saw him doing that on guitar, I was like, I want to learn all of this stuff. And basically mm-hmm. learning what he was doing on guitar was a crash course for me to learn how to play guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, all my friends in the band also were doing the things that he was doing. So if I had any questions, I had people that I could ask. So mm-hmm. when I started learning all of this stuff, I was like, oh, wow, like, I want to, R&B is, you know, uh, one of my favorite uh, ver- uh, songs that uh, Jeremy Passion covered was Ordinary People by John Legend. Mm. And he was playing these chords and I was like, he's playing the same two shapes on the guitar over and over and over again. I can play this song, you know? And mm-hmm. what is this song? I love this song. When I went to listen, and I, you know, I think that that was really my first introduction to R&B. And then mm-hmm. later down the line, we the band started playing like, we started playing like D'Angelo and mm-hmm. Badu. We started playing that stuff. And I was like, I got to listen to these records. When I listened to the records, 
it was like I it was like you remember exactly where you were and what were you mm-hmm. were doing when you listened to D'Angelo and when you listened mm-hmm. to Eric Badu or more modern versions when you listen to Hiatus Coyote or you mm-hmm. listen to Moonchild for me Moonchild's a huge inspiration mm-hmm. um, so that was my first entrance was actually learning theory and chords um, and then the explosion of excitement in R&B was D'Angelo, Badu, Hiatus, mm-hmm. Moonchild, Anderson Pack. You know, you start going into more hip hop kind of things. You learn about Jay Dilla, you know, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, like these these people start blowing your mind. And then going into the soul kind of things was actually really doing deep dives into Earth, Wind and Fire. Stevie mm-hmm. Wonder, Dwelle was a huge inspiration. Mm-hmm. Dwelle was like half of my college career you know it was right. just listening to Dwelle walking to class so um, <laughs> yeah all those all those were huge inspirations to me and I would consider that more of the explosion the excitement yeah. the birth of me learning about R&B was through chords and Jeremy mm-hmm. and other YouTube artists yeah no that's dope that's super dope yeah man we we used to we were definitely on the Dwelle train early and yeah. used to play a ton I mean like early demos and stuff um uh-huh earlier versions of uh like before his debut came out on a major label like we had the the original version with like the demo versions of certain songs like mm-hmm. yeah just following his journey man but um well, which is nice. yeah yeah so um so it's a great segue uh for the next question um so you know like you talked a lot about the, the different influences and stuff and the different music you were introduced and um, I think anybody who's heard your stuff, you can definitely hear some of those um, influences. But but um, but you still uh, have a unique like mm-hmm. style overall. And so tell us about like, how did you first uh, develop your know, style? So I know you kind of touched on it a bit, but how did you first develop it or how do you feel like you've developed it over the time? And how would you define it if you had to break it down to someone? Whew. Stan, that's a heavy question. Hey, well, you know, <laughs> it's all this salt and pepper, all that wisdom. You know what <laughs> we didn't mean? take a quick intermission. On those <laughs> right. um, I would say that, um, so the, the progression of listening to music, um, the progression of my listening to music has been uh, through the lens of a songwriter for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that... That, that means that every time I was listening to something, I felt like I was studying it, right? Mm. I felt like, I, I mean, I was enjoying it. Obviously, it hits you and gets you excited. But for me, it, it didn't get me excited because I was like, oh, like, I mean, it got me excited because I was like, oh, this feels so good. But mm-hmm. more so, it got me excited to learn about what just happened and why right. what they did made me react this way, right? So mm-hmm. when I was younger, I was into pop, right? Later high school, early college, I was very much into, into soul R&B. Right. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I started getting really into um, really into bossa music. Right. Mm-hmm. I started diving into that. And then I graduate from college and I'm like, oh, Latin music and Afro-Cuban music is cool. Right. Mm-hmm. And I started listening to that. And then I when I, you know, as I'm me and my fiance, when we were dating, we'd go on long car rides. We still do as an engaged couple. But when we mm-hmm. go on long car rides, you know, oftentimes I'd be like, what do you want to hear? What do you want to listen to? Right. And she would be like musical theater. So then I started listening to musical theater and mm-hmm. I started every single time that I was listening to a new genre. I remember one time I was with somebody and I was like, I was like, just put on whatever you listen to. They put on metal music and for four hours we listened to metal music. And I was mm-hmm. like, 
And I was like learning, you know? Mm-hmm. And it helped that that band that I joined in high school, one person was a blues head, loved blues. Mm-hmm. One person was a soul head, Marvin Gaye every day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. One person was like more of a country head, right? One person was more of a neo soul head. So, and I was just like, I listen to pop music, you know? So, getting <laughs> into an environment where every single practice, every single day, did you hear that new album? No. Did you hear that new album? No. So every single time that I listened to a new genre of music um, or got addicted to a new genre of music in my life, it shaped a little bit of how I wanted to sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really, really, uh, I, I want to stress that for songwriters, uh, every, you can learn something from every single genre of music. Mm-hmm even if you're not a fan of it. I'm not the biggest fan of country music. I'll listen to country music, right? Mm-hmm. And there's really good country songs out there, but that's not mm-hmm. what I would turn on if I just jumped in the car, right? But right. every single time that I listen to country music, I think, what is it that they're doing that makes people want to turn this on, mm-hmm. you know, in the car? Because I'm obviously other people do, right? That's why they have more streams than me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when, when, when I hear people listen to country music, I think, what are they doing? And I go, oh, country music is giving their listeners exactly what they want to hear, right? Exactly mm-hmm. when they want to hear it. As soon as the listener's like, man, I could go for a guitar solo. Country sounds like guitar solo, mm-hmm. right? As soon as they're like, ooh, I really want to hear, you know, him do the chorus, but a little differently. Do the chorus a little differently, right? Mm-hmm. And with metal music, it's energy. I want them to not even be able to control the way that their body is moving right now. I want them mm-hmm. to be so wrapped into this thing that I that they just have to freaking go right and headbang, mm-hmm. and so I think that it's important to listen to other genres of music that you're not necessarily like into at the time because mm-hmm. maybe it'll teach you something that their listeners like and you can apply it to what you're doing and actually it allows you to want to listen to the, those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started. I went from listening to applying it when I started learning how to use Logic Pro X more and actually mm-hmm. when the pandemic hit um, because I was rec- I was in the basement recording like every night and I was like, ooh, like I can use this, I can use this. Oh, wow, that cross stick sounds good. I'll use that cross stick in this. Ooh, but it feels like a Latin cross stick. Okay, let's go to that Latin song I like and listen mm-hmm. to that and then see how, see what pattern they're doing and start a song based off that pattern, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just takes off from there. And so the more that I was experimenting with this stuff, I mean, I have hundreds and hundreds of songs on my computer that are never going to see the light of day because they were experiments for what this became. Right. Right. Um, I'm sure that, you know, you can relate to that because I mean, you have a very defined and and solid sound as well. And I know that you have stuff on your computer that would blow people's minds. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate it. Or things that you would want to hide. Right. Yeah. There, there's a <laughs> ton, ton of that. Like, mm, that's never coming out. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. For sure. that's, that's how I felt. Um, and growing up with already something unique in my ear, um, mm. like Hindustani classical music, um, mm. kind of helped me understand that groove is beyond four on the floor sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes groove is four on the floor and it's amazing. But right. sometimes groove is is something that you know many people have to study and luckily i grew up listening to you know mm-hmm. um, so that kind of helped me be open to a lot of new ideas yeah. for sure
Let's talk about, you know, but your voice, like listening to you, your speaking voice and then your singing voice as an instrument. You have such control and the levels. I mean, you have such range as well. Like, mm-hmm. that is just amazing. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so can you talk to us about, like, that process what was your training like what is your what is your what are your go-to like as far as your practice yeah so when i was listening to soul well i used to have terrible technique i used to have really really bad technique i was in my throat a lot you know when you sing let's stay together you can't go let's let's stay together Mm. i go "Let's, let's stay together it's it's in your throat and some people can be in their throat all day long, like Al Green, you know, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. just crush it, you know. So I grew up singing that stuff. Um, but then in freshman year of college, I was in an acapella group mm-hmm. and I was in the choir and I was trying to record my own music. And um, all that singing actually had a really, really hard time on my throat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I developed vocal nodules. Um, which I don't know if you know what that is, but in, in Pitch Perfect, they're like, they call them nodes. I have nodes. Mm-hmm. And then they yeah. freak out. I had nodes. And after mm-hmm. singing in that same Pitch Perfect-esque competition, but with my group, right? So mm-hmm. the, that I literally developed nodes right after that, that competition. Oh, wow. And, um, oh, I cried so much when I got nodes because my emotional release many times is music. And mm. I was told, don't sing. You know, I was told, you need to save your voice. Um, right. And I went to this speech pathologist, um, and I only saw her twice. She gave me a set of vocal exercises that literally changed my life. Mm. And I had a recording of our session, and I don't know where it is anymore. I've searched so much, and I can't find it. It's driving me crazy. but. That one hour, the first and second sessions, they were both one hours. And one hour, one is not plural. Um, <laughs> they, were both one, they were both one hour. And, um, and I, I just remember it completely changing the way that I thought about my vocal progress. And mm-hmm. they gave me, um, she gave me uh, just like four or five exercises to do every day, twice a day. And I did that every day, twice a day for three months. And immediately my body, when you, when you have good vocal technique, your body relaxes, your entire body is like, oh, wow. I didn't know I could be this relaxed because vocal breathing and vocal technique is very similar to meditative, meditative breathing, Mm -hmm. right? They say, breathe from your diaphragm, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything should feel up here. And I, it was all these concepts that people were explaining and, very different ways um but they're very similar concepts so one time i heard resonance is like a bee floating around in front of your face and then somebody else said resonance is like a cone on your head that you know comes to one focal point you have to sing out of that focal point you know i i think about resonance and going up and down in your resonance as like an elevator that's Mm -hmm. right from your nose your nose is the elevator and it goes up and down and so when you sing, how you sing down here should be in the same place on the, you know, as when you sing up here. So mm. people have different ways of explaining it. And I started through all of these analogies, I started understanding what they meant. And um, 
also through sing singing things like musical theater. You know, yeah. theater is all about resonance, vibrato, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so those songs are very challenging to sing and they become, they became these challenges, um, learning my vocal technique and wanting to sing those songs uh, kind of became like a progression where I'll, I don't think I'll ever end because there will always be the next song that I want to be able to sing that I can't yet, right? And then I mm. get to that point. And so I hope that I never stop trying to get better and better at that because the more I do that, the more my body gets relaxed. And then I started doing things like stretching before I sleep um, and like that helped my body being more relaxed, help more with my vocal technique and vice mm. versa. And yeah, it's a feedback loop, so. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. No, but thank you for sharing that. That no, was for sure. I for think sure. folks need to know because I think you don't hear that many. I mean, vocalists, yes, will say it, but when people think of music, they think of instrumentation, which is great. But you know, using your voice as an instrument as well—the highs, the lows, the technique, mm. like you had mentioned before, the chords—you know, making sure that you protect it, just like you would protect your drumstick or your, you know. Yeah. your violin strings yeah yeah and the upkeep and all of these different things like for for anything because you know like whether you're whether we're talking about an instrument uh for a musician or like someone who's a business owner who has different assets uh, like a camera or a computer mm -hmm. like all that stuff has to be maintained in order for you to do your job well so now nah, that was now nah, was great info but Being real quick sounds like a water break <laughs> yeah oh man and, and it's funny that you mentioned water break because uh it is break time we're gonna take a quick moment to uh shout out our sponsor uh words beats in life so we're gonna take a quick commercial break um and uh shout out to words beats in life right now their summer academy has just started so those of you who are age uh, 22 and younger who are looking for and when i say younger i'm talking about elementary school age all the way through college if you're looking for um an academy that offers free classes in the various art forms um from graffiti art and mural art to floral art to i mean you name it um creative or writing. yeah creative writing they also offer entrepreneur classes they also offer video editing and a long range a long list of other things but anyway words beats in life is an organization that offers these classes uh for free to people who live in the dmv um to young people specifically so shout out to them for being an official sponsor of our podcast and we're gonna uh, let them take it away from here and after that we'll be back with more melon all right my name is Asad walker and i teach Graffiti at Word Beats and Life. When I started doing graffiti in high school, it really helped me in an environment that I just really didn't feel like I fit in. I had just moved to a new high school. I started creating art out in the streets and it just really helped me express myself. I really feel like graffiti is a great way for kids to express themselves, which is something that all teenagers kind of are really trying to figure out how to do. I think it's really the, the root of why uh, my classes are popular with, with kids, but I really think um, it can transition into a meaningful um, career or occupation um, as they get older. And that's why I'm with WBL. Enroll in my graffiti class at wblinc.org slash academy. 
All right, and we're back. We're back. So um, you had mentioned earlier um, in the show, uh, in college you were part of uh, a cappella group, in high school you were in chorus, um, You, but you also participated in the local uh, DC chapter of the Grammys called Grammy U. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that, about your experience oh, yeah. with them? Yeah, Grammy U was great. Um, they had so many resources in learning about the music industry. Um, I did, so I did Grammy U for a little while, um, and I was able to, you know, I was able to go out and, and, and meet some people. Like I met Mario during his sound check. Um, nice. He was performing at this venue near, nearby my school, and me and a couple of friends in the Grammy U program went over and got to meet him and talked with his manager about, you know, the music industry and things like that. Um, it was really a moment where I was like, you know what? I know I want to do music after college. I know yeah. that I want to keep up with this. I'm way too excited about it. <laughs> and uh, and it just is such a huge part of my life. So I decided to, to join that because I had a couple of friends that were joining and I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I started later in my college years, I started interning at a studio uh, in Baltimore called Songbuilder Studios. And my um, my studio manager was a, uh, a, a recording academy member. So he had a, an extra tickets to some events. So I went with him to, I think it was the, it was an anniversary. I don't remember the number, but it was an anniversary for the Grammy UDC, or the Grammy DC chapter recording, mm-hmm. recording academy, mm-hmm. academy chapter. And I remember going there and actually I, through going there, uh, I met a whole bunch of people. And one person that I met um, asked my studio manager if he could play guitar at their church, um, if he could play guitar at their church that next Sunday. And my studio manager was like, oh, I'm busy, actually, I can't play. Um, and then I was like, I play guitar. <laughs> and the studio manager was like, yep, talk to him. And then he walked away. And me and that guy talked for a while and then I ended up going and playing at the church and then I ended up getting a sound gig at the church so I was doing live sound um, for their uh, live stream and then I started meeting all these amazing gospel musicians and started getting into the gospel scene and singing in these mm-hmm. in these uh, gospel groups and uh, I did like sound at other churches started learning about video work doing video work at other churches so that was just like a really really cool um, side quest I guess in my musical Mm. path that taught me a lot about what people that are doing music full-time or people that are in the industry, um, what they do uh, outside of just seeing them perform, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Talking to these people that are like, yep, and uh, now I got to fly to here and and do this show and then I fly over there and do this interview and then fly here. And I was like, oh, wow. Like it just got me more and more excited to do music and 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 it, it allowed me to shoot higher in my mm-hmm. in my dreams for music um and taught me a lot about my voice what goes into putting out an album what goes into putting in a live show um mm-hmm. and not only does it when i was in college i uh i feel like i'm going on a tangent but when i was okay. in college, good, college my mentality going into college was i want to be able to do everything if somebody wants me to fly mics on a catwalk for a symphony um, at their venue, I want to be able to do that. Um, 
if somebody wants me to uh, arrange for their big band, right? I want to be able to do that. If somebody mm -hmm. wants me to play, you know, uh, bass at, at, you know, this gig, I want to be able to do that. Wow. Um, and so if somebody wants me to ghostwrite for a rapper, I want me to, I want to be able to do that. Right. So I started learning about all of these things and, um, and I told myself, I'm going to learn how to do everything. So when I leave college, uh, I can choose what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So when I left college, it was like, this, uh, this opportunity, this opportunity, this opportunity, this opportunity. My studio manager wanted me to get more involved in producing for other artists. Um, you know, I had, I had offers to do a lot more video work, a lot more mixing and mastering, um, all that stuff. So I kind of got to try a bunch of different things and go, okay, I want to settle here. And that place I wanted to settle was I want to produce my music um, and, I want to and I want to write songs for myself and i want to help other people write their songs and help other people with their production so it's been nice also taking on some mentors in that way and um or mentees i guess in that way and uh and helping people with their creative process too yeah and you've done that beautifully you know mm -hmm. shameless plug the song that you wrote with uh stan for you've grown is fantastic Thank you. Thank you. So it was, well, when it was someone gives me something fantastic, <laughs> oh, man. I got to try and and do what I can to live up to it. So I'm glad that it turned and out. You did, and you did. I, I appreciate it. Don't uh, don't worry. The cash app is coming through <laughs> in a couple of minutes. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. But uh, earlier, I know you uh, you talked about um, the DAW that you use uh, that you use these days. Uh, you were mentioning um, Logic Pro X. Um, so um, has it always been Logic, or have you played around with a few um, a few different ones? And for those listening, who I know some of our listeners are musicians. Um, and others are visual artists and others are just, you know, or just just love the arts. Um, so for those who don't know, a DAW is just a digital audio workstation. Um, so but um, even though Logic's what you use now, has it always been Logic? What, what other ones have you played around with? Yeah. So at a young age, my my dad said, um, we're going to get you a Mac because mm -hmm. it seems like uh, Macs are are pretty good for music and and you know um, file sharing and things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, that was a smart move because GarageBand comes on a Mac, and mm -hmm. so I started GarageBand at first, right? And I was diving really deep into it. And Logic, as 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 people that have have used GarageBand or Logic or something like that, people you typically know GarageBand and Lo Logic is like GarageBand on steroids. So yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I'm getting more serious and I'm starting to feel limited by what I can do in GarageBand. I'm going to get Logic. Mm -hmm. Then when I went to college, um, I studied music technology and they taught me uh, how to mix and master everything in Pro Tools. Mm -hmm. So what I used to do was I used to produce my songs at home in Logic and then bounce out all the files um, and upload them into Pro Tools, and then mix in the studios at school in Pro Tools. And then that would be my final product. Mm -hmm. um, then I started learning, ooh, look at us. <laughs> and, and we were twinning too. But <laughs> well, we were twinning, that was not planned. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, but carry on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I started, uh, I started um, 
mixing and mastering in Pro Tools. And but after that, I started learning a little bit more. Once I took the concepts in Pro Tools, I started learning how to mix um, in Logic. So that mm. was that was also pretty helpful. But yeah, I've pretty much been a garage band to Logic and then Logic and Pro Tools boy. Now I'm pretty much Logic the whole time. And I've I've done some experimenting in Ableton, um, and mm. I've I've worked with people that use FL Studio too. So. Those two I'm somewhat familiar with, but don't ask me any questions. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it. <laughs> you know, being a um, multi-talented, a multi-instrumentalist, uh, a multi-faceted artist in general, um, besides your vocals, right, what instrument brings you the most joy? Hmm. Mm. You know, that, that changes... Um, from periods of time in my life. Mm -hmm. So when I was younger, it was piano because the um, piano is like the map of theory for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm gonna learn all everything. Like I'm gonna learn as much as I possibly can. So it was like, what if I had this note? What if I had this note? And it, I got mm -hmm. kept getting excited, right? So that brought me the most joy back then. Then it turned into guitar because mm -hmm. with guitar, there's so much feeling you can get from bending a string that is more difficult to get from a piano. Mm -hmm. um, my friend and I were talking the other day, uh, actually my keyboardist, Ricky, who's picking up guitar and starting to get more into guitar. Uh, he and I were talking about how the limitations on the guitar actually uh, like present opportunities um, for different sorts of expression. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you know you might not be able to do something on guitar that you can do on piano actually allows you to express something on guitar that you can't necessarily express on piano because it doesn't have that limitation. Right. Bending the string is one example of that. Um, hmm. And so we started talking about that. And or, so then I started, you know, getting really into guitar. But right now it would have to be the bass mm, because okay. I'm learning that that same amount of expression I get on guitar and excitement I get from guitar, I get on bass. But bass is most of the time one note at a time. And it thinks mm -hmm. melodically. And with my songwriting and my singing, like, I think melodically because I can't, well, I could get nerdy and say, you can't sing two more than one note at one time with overtones, but you can't really <laughs> sing more than one note, more than one note at a time with the voice. Mm -hmm. And when I'm playing bass, it's like, it's like I'm singing again for the first mm -hmm. time I'm learning how to sing again. Um, mm -hmm. And so you'll hear, I'm, if you zone into the bass on this album, uh, I'm just having the time of my life. I'm just trying, awesome. I'm just trying as much as possible. The first song is very heavily, like it's heavy on the bass, um, and it's you know pretty, like neo soul. It's got that D'Angelo kind of um, influence to it, and mm -hmm. Pino Palladino on the bass on those D'Angelo records is like, it's like next level. So it's just mm -hmm. you know, learn it like playing that gives me the most excitement right now. Dope. Dope. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah ran random question, um, which isn't so random because we kind of mentioned um, we were talking about one of your records earlier. Um, I think we were talking about the record uh, "See the Light" mm -hmm. uh, from your album "In a Day," uh, which drops this Friday. Friday, y'all. Friday, in a day. <laughs> all streaming platforms. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, have you ever considered uh, performing on Broadway? <laughs> Uh, I've definitely, so I've done two, two, 
maybe three. I don't remember if it was three or not. At least two uh, musical theater productions back in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one time I actually had to tap dance and sing at the same time, which wow. was so much fun for me because it was like, it was like, oh, I get to exercise both parts of my brain, you know, and like one is at my feet. And I, you know, growing up watching my sister dance, she learned how to tap dance in school too. So I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, how do I do this? And she would help me at home, you know, but, um, I'm not a very good actor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I'm a very good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like most of the time I'm a pretty open book when I talk to people and I'm pretty transparent. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like delivering a line that I, you know, or getting into the emotion of feeling mm-hmm. a line that like, you know, after being backstage, like goofing around with my friends was always mm-hmm. a difficult thing for me. Um, yeah. um, but it's been more recent that I've been getting into the Broadway singing, like singing songs mm-hmm. that I'm and see, actually watching Broadway shows. Um, yeah. I saw Waitress. That was the first Broadway show I saw in New York. And I was like, my mind was blown. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think singing those songs and stuff, it's gotten me more like interested in the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, that's that's something that that I haven't thought too much about. I've been I've been kind of on this like freight train of a path right now. Sure, and like, sure. And like you know, we've we've you know gone past Broadway a few times. You know, we've looped mm. around and gone past Broadway, but no, I haven't really take, taken that too seriously yet. Yeah. Right, right. It's well, coming. It's coming. I, I, I can <coughs> see it. I can see it. <laughs> no, for sure. Listen, uh, fun fact about me, um, musicals are like some like I love film in general, uh, but musicals for a lot of times uh, for a lot of people, it's corny, turns them off or whatever. I love musicals. Um, I just like uh, a writing challenge. Mm -hmm. So that's how I see musicals. Like whenever whenever I watch one, whether it's uh, Sound of Music um or uh or something like you know that's a bit darker like um dancer in the dark mm-hmm. uh with bjork um i just love like the challenge of how do we plop this in the middle of a story and use it as a device to help push the story forward mm-hmm. in yes. a way that doesn't take away from the story right and um and so when i see uh musicians um, dancers and all of that do that successfully like i'm just i'm i'm amazed at like how like you know and i'm still and i don't i feel like when it's done really really well it doesn't take you out of the story right it just feels like yeah i could see that you know like walking through the uh spanish harlem one day and yep and we just broke into song and dance yep absolutely Yay, right. <laughs> that's pretty much what rappers do on any corner any given night you know right, right. <laughs> and minus yeah, the dancing right oh man that's that's killer <laughs> right right <laughs> right you know yeah I no too. i think that that's that's so true uh musical theater does this amazing or has this amazing way of using music um where it's about typically about a very specific situation that's mm-hmm. happening and they have to get the most emotion out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of music not associated with musical theater, I think nowadays um, is like, I want to try to make something that's for everyone to relate to, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Right. But I think with that comes a little bit of vagueness in the lyricism or vagueness in, in the progression chord progressions or, 
you know, and mm -hmm. um, the musical The Last Five Years is one of the most powerful musicals that I think I've ever seen. Um, mm -hmm. And they use music so, so much dissonance in so many different moments and so many motifs that are played in different ways that create different emotions, like the polar opposite of motion uh, of emotion that was used prior in the in the musical when that motif was used earlier. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that like those kinds of the limitation of a specific emotional moment, mm -hmm. right, actually creates so many opportunities um, for uh, storytelling and for using motifs in different ways. So. That's something that I also try to use um, at the at the end of the first song. And I use that actually in the album at the end of the first song on the album. Uh, the melody goes, come and rescue me. And then immediately after that, the next song's upbeat. And that first song is a little like more solemn. It's, you know, about wanting to feel like intoxicated by love. Mm -hmm. um, and then the next song is about meeting my fiance for the first time. So it's like high energy. So I go, come and rescue me. And then the next song goes, and it goes straight into, mm -hmm. and like, you love, like, it's like, I'm using that motif earlier to actually be like, oh, that, that feeling now it's, now it's like energized. Now we have more energy to it. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so yeah. I think that's important. That's awesome. To be conscious awesome. of. I think it's also mm -hmm. important to be conscious of, you know, like being relatable. Everybody can see their own experience in what you're saying, too. So there's some of that on the album, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, talking about the um, the album, you have worked, you know, in groups. You have um, collaborated with several artists. Um, you've collaborated with artists in, in this um, new project that you have. What would you say are some of the advantages and disadvantages of being a solo artist? Mm. Um, <laughs> advantages of being a solo artist, I think, are you're in control of your own schedule. Mm -hmm. You're in control of your own pace. You're in control of what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and that feels so good, especially if you feel like you're never satisfied. Because if you are in control of your own pace and, and schedule and, you know, you can, you, and you're never satisfied, the sky is the limit. You know, mm -hmm. you are constantly motivated to, to move and move and move. And if you have a bad week, you're not really like reliant. Mm -hmm. on other people you can you can take the time to for self-care and really like really like focus on yourself and what that does is open up opportunities for your creativity to thrive um in other instances so like later down the line um mm -hmm. i literally wrote a song once that will never see the light of day but i wrote a song <laughs> um about being burned out and mm -hmm. i wrote it a week after i was burned out for like a month Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, man, that's an interesting way to get like like applying uh, music to get closure on being burnt out from music mm -hmm. is an interesting way to start back up, rev the engine a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Right. So I like I remember that um, being a really 
healthy way for me to get back into music. And being a solo artist, I can do that. But, you know, when you're working with, a, if you're in a band or, mm -hmm. you know, another group with a bunch of different, um, a bunch of different people and kind of reliant on their schedule, uh, you can't really afford to have an off day. And if you do, it kind of impacts everyone. Yeah. Now, the disadvantage to being a solo artist is that everything's on you, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So every single part of being a solo artist is kind of on you. Um, and you have to be, you're liable for setting a schedule for yourself. Um, and um, I think that there was, I, I watched this documentary the other day about like the art of flow. Um, and this is one thing that I think is, I didn't experience until I got that, I got my band together and we started doing shows. Um, I didn't experience it as much, but they say that um, flow, you, you, you get, you are the most productive as a human being in flow. You learn the most um, and flow is a state where the task that you're trying to achieve is approximately 4% more complicated than your capabilities, hmm. right? And okay. when that is true amongst a group of people, that is the highest form of flow that you can achieve. Mm. Um, so people that are in groups, in bands, and every record that they do is not them just producing it on a computer, it's them playing it in the room. They, mm -hmm. they get to access that art of group flow much quicker, and that gives them a higher, um, it gives them a, a higher reward at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, and I'm starting to experience that now that like I have the band and the way that we play is so improvised. None of us do the same thing over, over again. Um, and, and I, I, I think that now I'm starting to get more and more of a sense every single time we perform of what that feels like. But I think that being a solo artist is, it can prohibit you from time to time from accessing that. Um, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so before we before we let you go, uh, we're going to do two things. Uh, we're going to jump into. Uh, well, we're going to close out with rapid fire questions, but I want to make sure we give folks a chance to talk about this album a little bit more. Mm -hmm. We see you got the, the cover art behind you right now. So. For those who don't know, um, even though we've mentioned it a few times, we're going to mention it again. Uh, Millen is working on his, uh, well, not working on, has his album dropping this Friday. Mm -hmm. um, and he also has a big show uh, happening this um, Friday at uh, it's a Pearl Street Warehouse, correct? street warehouse yeah 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 and so um let's talk about the album briefly like um you know what should people expect from this record uh we know it's going to be on all platforms including Bandcamp. it'll also be on Bandcamp because i know some of the people in the in the chat are familiar but um but tell us briefly about the record uh before we go absolutely this record is a is about me um it's about me being rescued from loneliness um, mm. by my fiance and all the lessons that we've learned, the moments that we've shared up until us getting married in July um, poured into this album. Uh, what you can expect from it is um, definitely uh, 
a, a variety of emotions that one may feel when in a relationship um, or one may want from a relationship. Um, and ideally, uh, people can get um, wholesome morals uh, in this record because I think that we, me and my fiance, share a very wholesome relationship and we complement each other very well. Um, and we've been through a lot and we've, we've, you know, we've triumphed, you know, and feel like mm -hmm. we're in a place of just pure, pure joy. Um, and mm -hmm. so the cover art right there is the day that I proposed to her, she said, we should put a rose in your suit, um, suit pocket and then put the ring in the rose and get a picture of that. And so it was her idea to do that. And that's now the cover art for the album. Um, and so, and you can expect um, genres from neo soul, R&B, uh, soul music, some pop music, some theater, um, but all kind of tied together. Uh, and then hints of like Latin and bassa as well, all tied together with my mm -hmm. with charismatic vocals and thick vocal jazz harmony. No, Congratulations. Yeah, man. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah. It's, uh, again, man, it's, it's an amazing record. Um, you know, uh, I've, we've had the pleasure of listening to it several times uh, because we know you and uh, we had the inside scoop and, you know what I mean? We, you know, we got the hookup. Uh, yeah, we had the hookup, you know, <laughs> so we appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and um, I wanted to point out, too, for anybody who's watching right now um, who ventured over from my YouTube channel, um, if you remember Millen making an appearance on Substantial Live from Home, mm -hmm. uh Millen actually uh, gave an amazing performance that night and performed several of the songs that's from, uh, um, I feel like at least two or three of the songs you performed that night were from this upcoming, uh, from this record that's uh, dropping Friday. Yep, that's yeah. right. So you'll hear those yeah, man. yeah, for sure. So, so anyone want to venture back to that and remember, oh yeah, he did kill it. <laughs> I should get this album. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, man. Um, so before you go, it is time for the rapid fire questions, you know, and, and, it, and this is always fun for us because, you know, we we spend a lot of time prepping uh, for these interviews. I, I hope you feel the prep. You know, I mean, you see, we we kind of dove into your personal life a bit, <laughs> grab some photos that <laughs> probably. <laughs> wasn't expecting to see you know i figure i put a, a not so not so embarrassing one up for you right there uh, but um but yeah man um but we have a lot of fun like uh like you know yeah. debating on what to ask what not to ask etc cetera, etc cetera. so let's jump into it you want to set it off yes yeah, so it's five questions mm -hmm. and you know i you know you'd get to pick one of the two options mm -hmm. okay. so um, diving into a little bit of culture, right? We, Stan and I are foodies. We love food. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody else loves food. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah. So, two options. Gulab jamun or kheer? Gulab jamun, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And for those that don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a Indian dish. It's a dessert. Mm -hmm. Similar to, like, I guess what you say, like a donut, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's yeah. like a little. It's like a munchkin and uh, with yeah. like syrupy kind of texture. Very yeah. sweet. We've had Very it. Sweet. We mm -hmm. love. We love Indian food. So there was a period of time when I didn't like it because I ate it too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. <laughs> We're back. And the other one, kheer, is more like a porridge. I guess one mm -hmm. for the American version would be more like a porridge. Very thick. And yes. Very. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, so being that you are a Maryland guy like me, you know, so it's only right. I, I gotta ask, um, crabs, right? And we'll 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 throw in crab cake if you're more of a crab cake guy than crabs. Okay. Or chicken wings and mambo sauce. Ooh, chicken wings and mambo sauce. Hey, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, you don't. Offended. You don't have to apologize. Right? It's okay. It is. I don't right. even eat chicken anymore, and that would have been my answer. So, <laughs> yeah, hey, you know. Crab feast. They were like, "Here's a bib. Here's a hammer. You gotta." And I'm like, "This is a lot just to eat some food." Like, Bruh. You hit the thing and then peel it and then pull it. It's like I was like, "All right, I am just gonna. I'm just gonna stick with the." Easy barrier to entry food. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And for those that, you know, for those that are not from the area, right? The so, area. you know, because <laughs> it's funny. D- when I think of chicken wings and mumbo, I think of very much D.C., PG mm-hmm. County. But mm-hmm. you have, I mean, because where you are in Maryland, you know, it could be, are we talking about Baltimore? Are we talking about Baltimore? Cra- you know, Baltimore with crab, crab cake, or what's the fish we were talking about earlier? Oh, fl- uh, flounder. Or flounder. Oh, no, trout, no, trout, trout, trout. Yeah, right. trout. So I was like, do they eat, you know, um, chicken wings and gumbo up north right, in right. like northern Maryland, north Midwest Maryland? But I told her, I was like, this, you know, this guy spends a lot of time in- all around all around the DMV. I'm like, yeah. he, he's going to know chicken wings and gumbo sauce. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, you know? I, also, I honestly didn't eat much seafood when I was younger, too. So I think that probably contributed yeah. yeah got it got it got it yeah my fiance's uh, gonna be mad at that answer but <laughs> she'll be okay she'll be right right on the bay. <laughs> <laughs> he's like how dare you <laughs> all right so next one is okay this is gonna be a hard one songs in the key of life by stevie wonder or brown sugar by d'angelo oh no <laughs> i told you i'm so sorry <laughs> I'm so oh, sorry. No. Okay, you know what? Um, brown sugar. Okay, so no, I'm gonna go with songs in the key of life, which, okay. by the way, is on this amazing thing that my fiance painted for me. Oh, that's Aww. awesome! Yes, yeah, great right? record. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, she painted all of these, and as you see, I have voodoo on here. Nice, Not, uh, yeah. Right, Vo- so voodoo is fire. Voodoo is crazy, and so yeah. is Bob and so is brown sugar, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that Songs in the Key of Life is my favorite Stevie album. Mm-hmm. And Brown Sugar would not, I wouldn't say that that's my favorite D'Angelo album. Okay. Got it. Got but it's it. a great album. Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yes, it, it is. is. I would have to go with that. That's so yeah. hard. I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to listen yeah. to both and be like flip-flop my answers. Every right. time. <laughs> yeah, not mad at it. Not mad at it. All right. So we were talking about, uh, we mentioned Pitch Perfect. Uh, earlier so your next question is your next rapid fire one is uh sister act one or two or pitch perfect one or two you know i don't remember much of sister act i watched it at mm. a pretty young age so i don't remember too okay. much of it yeah. um, okay. so i would have to say like pitch pitch perfect one okay. Okay. you know <laughs> got it got it two is they did the same thing yeah 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 <laughs> for, sure. for sure for sure and you want to go ahead with oh the yeah, last yeah, yeah. One. so and so here so this is this should be fun so what is like so when millen's out on the town right and you're just living your best life oh yeah and then you know it wasn't it wasn't on the schedule but you happen to see a spot and they're doing karaoke right? oh geez you, you stumble in there what is the go-to karaoke song for millen and here's the catch 
You have to answer by singing us a few bars. Oh, okay. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with karaoke. <laughs> I, I feel you. I feel you. When I do karaoke, I, I really, really like, I don't want to do music if I'm not like trying to sound good at music. Right. You know? And like so many times I feel like a jerk if I'm like, all right, now listen to this. Like, right. like, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I always am like a little like tentative. Um, um, my go-to karaoke song now, it used to be Feeling Good by Michael Bublé. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I like the development of that song. Mm -hmm. um, now when I'm a karaoke, I usually do a song with Katie. It's usually best part uh, by Dana mm -hmm. and her. Um, you, you're, cheat, uh, you're cheating yeah. right I'm now. Cheating. No, John, sorry, I'm sorry. Remember, you, you uh, remember that the an you have to answer in uh you in know song. Yeah. In song. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> it's, it's gonna be feeling good by Buble. But okay. Um, birds flying high. You know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze, breeze drifting on by, that's how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me. And I'm feeling good. Yay! Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Nelly. Yeah, man. That was nice. That was amazing. That was amazing, brother. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. This has been fun, man. I hope you had a good time with us, man. We oh, definitely yeah. had a good thank time you with so you. Much. It's amazing yeah. what you guys. Are. Big fan of what you guys are doing. Oh, uh, thank, thank you, brother. You. Appreciate thank it. Appreciate so it. Much. Yeah. Now man. I know how you got your girl for real. Right. For real, you singing to her like that. <laughs> and yeah man and you're getting a lot of love and uh shout out to all the people watching live right now on youtube or facebook uh they definitely uh are feeling it you know but yeah man <laughs> yeah yeah man but yeah man thank you so much man for making time for us uh super excited for this record to be out in the world yeah, and best uh, of luck on the, the launch absolutely so yeah, man. And you know, we're rooting for you, man. We're Millen fans. You know, every time we play your stuff, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter is walking by. I was like, is that Millen? He's like, yeah, that's Millen. <laughs> so it's a new one. <laughs> yep, it's true. Uh, it's so true. Nice. Yeah, and I, <laughs> yeah, it will do, man. But thank you so much for being on the show. Um, you know, and thank you again to everybody who's watching. Uh, before we close out, we're going to jump into like a couple quick reminders and stuff. And uh, uh, oh, and last reminder, um, if you are in the DMV area, you can see Millen this Friday at the Pearl Street Warehouse performing live with his band. Um, and you can also stream his album on all streaming platforms as well as Bandcamp this Friday in a day everywhere. Um, so once again, give it up for Millen. Thank you. Uh, yeah, brother, and we will see you in a bit. All right. All right. So to everyone else, uh, before we go, just want to, uh, you know, let you know of a couple things. Just give you a heads up on something real quick. Uh, so... Just a quick reminder, let's uh, move some stuff off the screen so you can see it. 
Uh, we will be back at BlurredCon. We are super excited to be back uh, back at BlurredCon. We will be there uh, from July 7th through the 8th. Mm-hmm. I mean, through the 9th, pardon yeah, me, all, all weekend, weekend long. Um, but on July 8th, we will be bringing sketch pads back to BlurredCon, where we, de- we debuted yeah, we it there. Debuted, yeah. yeah, So definitely look out for that. Um, our featured artist is our good friend, Micah Blacklight. Uh, mm, Micah, Micah Black. Micah Blacklight. There we go. I'm tired. And um, and our featured uh, musician slash producer is Kay Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Talented producers. Uh, and both have been on the show. Yes, both have been. Uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Both are uh, uh, former guests of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so look out for that. It's going to be a great time. Uh, first come, first serve, serve basis for our gift bags that have drawing supplies in them. So definitely make sure you are on time. Last time we did this at BlurCon, we literally had a line down the hall. Um, and I think it was like over two times the amount of people who could fit in the room. Yeah. Um, so folks were waiting for people to leave to come in. So definitely uh, we're looking forward to that. And uh, it's going to be a great time. So, And we also have a special treat for those that are participating. Mm-hmm. You get to draw not one, but two uh, cosplayers. Mm-hmm. And they're, fu- they're a good time. They're fun. It'll be a great time. Again, like we said, we'll have goodie bags for you all. So mm-hmm. get there early for those that are planning to come. Absolutely. And a uh, couple um, plug one more time. We're going to plug Millen's album. But before we go, we're going to put that cover up on the screen just so you know what it looks like. Because I forgot to do it while I was running my mouth. But yeah, once again, Millen's album In a Day, which is amazing, drops this Friday on all platforms. Be sure to check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and in case you haven't been paying attention... Uh, my album also is dropping about a month from now. Uh, we're almost a month away. Um, and it also features the homie Millen, along with many other people like Shingo 2, Uyama Hiroto, Javier Starks, Tamara Wellens. Uh, man, a Steph. lot. Of, yeah, Stephanie Gale killed it. Uh, Malcolm Jackson. So many folks. Um, shout out to Jonathan Smalls on bass on multiple tracks. Mm-hmm. And uh, DJ Hav, DJ RBI. Just, man. My friends are dope, you know, and uh, I'm blessed to to have so many amazing people contribute to the record and um, be surrounded by so many talented people. Shout out to Tone Deaf for mixing and mastering it. So be sure to pre-order the album along with um, the limited edition merch that we have, like uh, outside of the vinyl record and CDs. We also have um, custom Vans um, skate highs. And they're that, hot. And they are fire. Yeah. So you can uh, make sure you secure those along with your, your T's and USBs and all that good stuff. And T's. I said it, you know, not actual, not drinking tea, though. We're yeah. talking about T-shirts, yes. you know what I'm saying, to be clear, because yes. that's what Jay soul did. You know that, right? Jay soul literally had tea for a hit along with his merch for okay. the album. I was you like, know, well, okay. what we fancy? OK, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, I'm not quite okay. there, but, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> but on that note, uh, we're going to get out of here. We're going to um, send y'all out with our good old outro music. But thank y'all so much for tuning in. If it's your first time watching our channel, um, watching our content, be sure to subscribe. Hit that like button. Share it, please. And thank you. We appreciate it. And shout out, super, super duper shout out to Words, Beats, and Life. Clap it up for them for supporting what we do and believing in um, our show. And uh, yeah, man, we greatly appreciate it. Be sure to support them in any way you can. Um, if you got youngins in your family that are looking for something to do this summer or looking for something to do throughout the school year after mm-hmm. school, Words, Beats, and Life is a great organization that's doing great work in our community. Yes, um, and it costs you nothing but time. 
you know. So shout out uh, to them again for believing in us. All right. And on that note, we're out of here, man. Y'all take care. Peace. Thanks for listening to Artistry, where art meets industry. Season four of Artistry is powered by Words Beats in Life. Visit www.wblinc.org to learn more. This podcast is produced by Substantial Art and Music. For more information, please visit www.subartandmusic.com. You can also follow us on social media at Subart and Music. Peace.